1: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. We got episode 152 on the docket for you here today, and Cody Efa is the guest on the show. He helps run the show and everything that goes with it at Nice Motorsports in the Camping World Truck Series. He is a busy busy man they're running four full-time trucks this year sometimes five including this upcoming weekend at knoxville raceway his story is really really unique and as we talked about and as you'll hear he is a bit of a chatterbox he loves loves to just go over his story and i literally this is one of those interviews and i felt this way last week with noah sweet as well where i just kind of ask a question and the interview subject takes it and runs with it Last week was a bit of an extenuating circumstance because of the severity of the conversations that we were having, but this time with Cody, I asked a question and he just ran with it for not 10, not 15, not 20, not 25, but legitimately like 30 straight minutes. He was talking and I'm telling you guys this now because I know for some people you may not like that and that may not be a great interview for you to listen to, may not be great podcasting, whatever, but... I like to give it to you raw and unfiltered and he talked about basically everything that I wanted to and I think that it wouldn't really make sense for me to essentially go back slice it together or interrupt him and be like well I was gonna ask you this no he was talking about everything that happened in his career and I was gonna hit on all of those different things so I'm glad he did it for me because he did it better than I could have and he talked about a lot of different things that I did not have on the docket to touch on with Cody so I think you guys are really going to enjoy that chat. He's a great guy, really captivating personality, great storyteller, and he really exemplified that today in our chat. Before we do any of that and talk a little bit about Sonoma this past weekend with everybody's favorite amigo going to victory lane, we got to throw it back in this week's Wayback Machine, piloted by Papa Siegel, and pay homage to the number 52. What on earth have you cooked up for us this week, Father?
0: Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode one hundred and fifty two. Today we take a quick look back on a longtime NASCAR driver and car owner. Jimmy Means never won a race in the fifty two car, but he ran it almost four hundred fifty times during a cup career spanning eighteen years, far and away the most of any other driver. He represents one of the old time owner driver NASCAR lifers. After hanging up his helmet, Means served as a crew chief for Bud Moore, among others, and still fielded his number 52 as a car owner in the Bush and now Xfinity series. I think Harrison Rhodes was supposed to be driving his car this year, but don't know if they've started any races. He's also one of the lesser-known members of the Alabama gang. Means also has one of the best nicknames in NASCAR, Smut. Smut. Get your heads out of the gutter, people. As the story goes, Means was a big fan of legendary engine builder, mechanic, and car owner, Smoky Unic. Since Smokey was already taken as a nickname in the garage, he resorted to the stuff that smoke leaves behind when it settles. Smut. I could think of a bunch of Tony Stewart jokes after that, but maybe another day. That's all for this week. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I'm a proud papa myself. Back to you, Duve.
1: Thank you, Dad, for that wonderful homage to, well, I don't know, because peek behind the curtain, I'm recording this before my dad has sent me this week's Way Back segment. So I'm just hoping that he didn't go super long and that he didn't go completely off the rails, but I got faith in him. So whoever you just paid homage to, Dad, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Let's start off this episode, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned reggaeton! And throw it straight over to our interview with Nice Motorsports general manager, crew chief spotter, janitor. What doesn't he do over there? It is Cody Efa. He got his starts racing on dirt out in Ohio. He actually had a bit of a breakup with racing for a little bit. Decided to go to college, decided to do farming. And then, as always does happen with racers, The sport always brings him back. And that brought him to North Carolina, where he worked for Roush Racing for about a decade or so. Ended up bringing him back to Nice Motorsports in the Truck Series after another bit of a sabbatical and a quasi-breakup with the sport. He takes us through all of that start to finish, soup to nuts, from when he got his start in the sport why he decided to move to North Carolina, his time at Roush Racing, what that entailed, why he decided to take a bit of a break and he was a little bit burnt out, and then why Al Nice was the one that got him back in the saddle to get back into the sport on a full-time basis. And again, he manages a lot. He wears a lot of hats right now for Nice Motorsports, but he has checked off a lot of different things on his bucket list and his checklist professionally, most recently winning a race as a crew chief for Ross Chastain, who he absolutely glows about and says that he's basically a family member and they also look alike. (laughs) We talk about that as well. What does the future look like for Nice Motorsports? Running four full-time trucks right now, and the expansion to the Xfinity, perhaps the Cup Series. How about their lead driver, Carson Josevar? What's his future? Well, Cody is gonna give you an update on that. Plus, he dangles a little bit of a carrot of a current NASCAR owner that may be getting behind the wheel. Yeah, you'll have to stick around and listen to the full story. I will get out of the way and let you hear our conversation with Nice Motorsports general manager. And again, he likes to talk. He admitted it. Get ready for it. Strap in, folks. Cody Efa. Pleasure to welcome onto the show this week, Cody Efa, the general manager over at Nice Motorsports. And I feel like that's that title is doing a bit of a disservice to you, Cody, because you're not only the GM, you're a crew chief, you're a spotter. I feel like you're the competition director in some senses as well. What don't you do over at Nice Motorsports nowadays?
2: Uh, I, I don't handle uh, the finances anymore. So that's, that's probably uh, good. Yeah, it's a relief. Um, I, and I did that for the first four years. Um, so we, we've just grown a lot and uh, I've taken on many roles. But uh, I'd say in the last nine to 10 months, we've structured a lot more and brought some really good people in and taken a lot off my plate and i think you're starting to see some of our more of our success more consistent across all our trucks um because of that too right
1: Mm -hmm. all right so so spotter crew chief gm did i miss anything uh
2: sometimes janitor you know okay Uh, um you know I, i do whatever it takes i yeah i grew up uh playing a lot of sports right and i was always beating my head about leadership i was always a team captain and um, always tried to set the example, set the tone, raise the bar, push others. So I believe that you, uh, lead from within, right. You do with the people, not saying below you, but that help you get where you're at, um, mm-hmm. common goal. And, and so if they can do it, I can do it. I don't make anyone do anything here that I can't do. Um, so, uh, luckily I've been in the sport 18 years and I got to be around a lot of very intelligent people in the industry. that's um, taught me a lot um i'm yeah. setting cars up to welding to um running the books and the finances and, and crew chiefing and reading data and, and um being a parent i have four children um so Man. a lot of these where that applies now uh, my oldest is 11 my youngest is three and that applies in the fact that we have a lot of younger drivers and um, yeah you know they're, they're doing different things but the concept of watching over them and teaching them and helping them and pointing the sure. right direction is still the same thing.
1: It's almost like you got eight kids. You got your four blood kids and then you got four truck drivers to take care of too.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, and, and there's good days and there's bad days and there's mm-hmm. yelling and I don't think they've had any crying yet this year. Um, in a, in a bad way, you know, maybe Charlotte, there was some crying after, after Carson's uh, unfortunate ending and yeah, um the broken ankle and stuff like that but it's uh it, that's a good way of putting it probably
1: the question is though when you're mad at your actual kids do, does a Freudian slip happen do you call them Carson Dean Lawless or Chris has that ever happened
2: no that hasn't happened yet uh um, not yet <laughs> not yet you know I'm not uh, I'm 37 I'm sure if I was uh, my mom always calls me my older brother's name all the time of course and it, it, my whole life I mean it was since I was Young to now, and I'm always like, When am I gonna start doing that? And um <laughs> I sometimes do that to my own kids, but I haven't got it mixed up here yet. Okay, nice.
1: that's good. You got your yeah. blood relatives, and then you got your work relatives, I guess, right? That is very true. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cody, I'm glad that I have young because I want to dive into you and your career because some people they kind of just know you for your time at Nice Motorsports, but there's way more than meets the eye with that because we know that you have been in this sport for a long long time held a lot of different roles outside of the different hats you wear at nice motorsports but in order to fully tell that story we got to go all the way back to where it all kind of started for you and i believe that was working for your family dirt team in ohio that's kind of where your passion for racing first began is that right
2: yeah i um you know, I got some photos here on my desk of being in victory lane at a small dirt track, you know, a couple miles from my house that I grew up in and my dad raced, um, you know, they weren't super late models at that time. They were poor, more like a pure stock is what they called them. They weren't a street stock. They're pro stock, I guess you, you could call them. Got it. Um, and you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money and dad raced those. And so I'd get up the school bus and you know we lived in a little house trailer and there's a garage a concrete garage beside it and most of my days went from the getting off the bus right into the garage instead of the house and I just would hang out and learn stuff and you know I, it wasn't like I did anything crazy but I was around it and mm-hmm. you know help you know put tires on and put decals on and uh, melt the Amazing lead and the you know the valve covers and bolted to the frame and, and all of them safe things that you should be breathing in and doing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, learned how to weld. You know nothing crazy. You know, we had an old arc welder, um, but it was is there traveling with dad and mom and it was a family thing. We had an old camper and an open trailer and you know we we go do stuff and go racing. And I think the farthest we went racing was in uh, Pennsboro Speedway in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember breaking down on the way home and I remember um, having to sit on the inside the old camper with the, the, the dog house that used to be in front of the engine over top of it open because it was vapor locking because it was getting so hot and just the, working the throttle going down the road and things that just the kids don't have any exposure to now. And I probably shouldn't have been. Um, but man, I look back now and it's like, those are the times. Like that was fun. It was simple. And you just went. And uh, my dad did that for a while. And then, you know, um, in 1988, he had open heart surgery. Uh, he'd get out of the race car and he'd be bleeding all over his fire suit. And they found out he had some, uh, deteriorating heart valves and they were leaking. Um, so he quit racing for a couple of years. Um, doctors said he shouldn't do it. And like any, you know, normal racer, uh, they don't listen to doctors and, and formal medical advice. And, uh, yeah, my sister was dating a guy that drove semis and he wanted to own a dirt late model. And so they bought one and my dad raced for him and we went racing again. Wow. And I learned more at that time because I was older, right? At that time I was eight, nine, 10 years old. Um, and then there's a guy by the name of John Mason who ran the stars tour in the seventies and eighties and nineties, uh, very successful dirt late model racer, uh, won a lot of big races, stars championship two times. And my dad worked for him and crew chief for him. And and there on the opposite end of the spectrum, he was a, an old guy back home in the county, and it, it was, they lacked for nothing, right? Huge toter home, one of the first to have a toter home with a stacker, and, and getting to drive down the highway with my mom and dad in that fashion, where my dad drove it. My mom traveled with us and do that, sneaking in the racetracks underage and getting kicked out. <laughs> um, that was a whole other experience at a different level. Um, My brother had worked there and then he went and worked for uh, Bart Hartman and Donnie Moran. He was actually with Donnie Moran when they won the million dollar race. Um, And then he he decided to come to NASCAR to Charlotte and go racing. And I I actually my dad quit racing because he had to have another heart surgery. And uh, there's a farm right there that we had a house trailer and an acre and it was encompassed by about 600 acres of, of farmland hay, corn, soybeans, about 800 head of dairy cattle. And I went and milked cows and helped run the farm and cutting yeah. hay and, and baling hay and, and, and started being a manager on that. And so I kind of lost my racing path during high school. Um, and I would go to Eldor and, and spectate and watch and, and enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm going to be a farmer. Like this is, this is me. It was hard work. I enjoyed it. I've always liked working. Um, but um went to college for a year and grades were good but I just was broke um family didn't have any money I couldn't get no grants no support of that they weren't give, the government wasn't giving money out at that point <laughs> yet and uh so I I quit college at Kent State because I couldn't even go to Burger King and buy a double cheeseburger and wow. I literally moved back home at 19 And I went and worked on another thousand head dairy farm. We milked 400 cows a day and I was a manager on it for a year. And my brother called me. He's like, you got to get to North Carolina. got to do this racing thing. He was changing tires, I think, at MB2 at the time. Um, And so I listened to him and I I came down there, down here. And I, I sold about a dozen head of cattle. Um, my truck, all my entertainment center, my TV and all them great possessions you have at that age, Mm -hmm. Xbox. And uh, I brought two garbage bags of clothes and I slept on my brother's couch for about a month. And I went to Bobby Daughters and Bobby asked me when I could start. And I said, I showed up at seven in the morning and I got black pants on because that's what y'all wear down here apparently. (laughs) And I said, I can start now for free. I worked for him for about three months for free. And then roush uh racing was expanding they went to a lot of they had like eight cup teams with yates and then they're expanding on the bush side and the truck shop so i went and tried out um at a tryout day and as a tire carrier and i'd only done about three months of it at bobby daughters and wow. I, I played sports i was athletic at the time and and i was able to do it and so i carried tires on the 50 truck with carl edwards and david reagan and the six truck with mark martin in it the scott's yep. truck um, and then I met this guy by the name of Matt Pusia, um, who runs RFK now. And at the time he was a body hanger at Roush and they made him a crew chief um, on the 50 truck and he needed someone to come over there and help. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll stay late, work, whatever. And he kind of took me under his wing and gave me a work ethic and taught me a lot. I mean, there wasn't, I'd never flown before. And on all of airplane rides, I'd sit with him and, and talk to him and, man, the things I'd ask him that I had knew nothing about, right? And I look back now and I think of some of the things I asked him, I was like, man, I was, a, I was not very intelligent asking those questions. <laughs> but he taught me so much. And, like, I owe a lot to him specifically yeah. in this sport. He taught me a tremendous amount. And I'm forever grateful for it. Um, and I just, I worked there and did trucks for, like, three years. And then they moved Matt and our team up. And we did Matt Kenseth's partial Bush series ride. It was a 17 Ritz cracker mobile um, and, and Paul Menard was in the 98 with Yates. So like, that's right. We worked with Yates. We worked at Roush back and forth. Um, Chuck came from the same place still. And um, then it, Matt went to the 16 cup car to crew chief Biffle and they put me with Chris Andrews to do Trevor Bane 16 uh, Xfinity car nationwide car. I guess it was at that time, with the new COT car and, and uh, the Xfinity series or nationwide series. Sorry. And we won some races that year with Matt Kenseth in the seat, Trevor's first win. It was a good year. Um, and then I did some stuff with Elliot Sadler and Travis Pastrana. and yep. um, I got a car to the 99 cup car, which was very cool. Work with Carl Edwards again. Um, so I was, I was very fortunate to be at Roush and see a lot of the systems and the production side of it and the work and, um, you know, expose the Robbie Riser's managing and, and, and seeing some of that and, I didn't understand some of it then, and now being in the raw, and now I, it sheds a light more right. of like what he dealt with day-to-day at, at a larger scale. But still, I, I can see the stress and the frustration now that he had at the time. Um, so I was exposed to a, a lot, and I learned a little bit of everything from it. And managing those you know, nationwide Xfinity deals and then the cup deal um, really solidified, like, I could, I could do this, right? I could run a, yeah. a program. And um, I kind of got burnt out at Roush and I was not having fun and had two boys at the time. And I was just kind of like, I'm ready for a change. And uh, we went our own ways. Um, it wasn't ugly, it wasn't pretty. It was just kind of, You know, uh, I was promised some stuff to manage a 16 cup shop and it didn't come together. And um, they wanted to send me up to front row with Chris Busher and Chris. He's a good friend of mine. I say good. We're good friends. Uh, he used to stay at my house. He used to borrow my four wheeler. Uh, we used to go ride in West Virginia together. I built him his first late model. Um, you know, I did a lot with Chris and uh, I just couldn't do it. And I just, I was something, I need something different. And I took a year off and started working on Corvettes for a guy in Huntersville hmm. and building an old, restoring old C10 pickup trucks. And I had fun. Um, but I'm a racer. I had a scratch that still needed itched, and um, they
1: always come back.
2: They always come back. So uh, somehow, I got a phone call that this guy from Texas was starting a truck series team, <laughs> and I, the two guys that were here, they needed someone to come over and TIG weld some stuff on some radiator inlets and uh, some seat stuff, and they couldn't do it, and I could, so I showed up and started helping them, and uh, went. Didn't do the first, I went to Martinsville. I didn't do it with them. I was gonna carry tires for them and help them out. Um, and they missed the race. And then two weeks later, they're going to Texas and that's where Al, Al Nis, and that's who I ended up meeting. And that was his team. Um, that was their home track at the time. And mm-hmm. so I helped and helped them to pull down and help get stuff and went, made the race. And then we finished like 22nd, nothing impressive, but from the week before or two weeks before of not making the race to that was like, you know, home run.
1: Oh yeah. And, um,
2: so the next month, Al's, we got talking and we met, and and the other two that were here, they they went on their own way to do something bigger and better. Um, and he's like, "Hey, will you run this for me?" And I was like, "Nope, no way. The only thing to do with it, um, I'm over NASCAR." And my wife was, you know, who was in the sport. I met her. She did uh, public relations for Pastrana, and and Chris Busher and Ryan Reed at Roush, and we met. And, um, She was like, well, red flag, you got to do something more stable for a family than this guy that might run four races. (laughs) Um, So I gave my word I'd stay and see him through Daytona and help out. And I brought a couple guys in that I worked with at Roush that were sitting at home on the couch. They got laid off and we ran every truck race that season. So it went from four to 23 events. Mm -hmm. And I think the moment it all sank in was we missed Daytona. Um, which worked out better because I think every truck got destroyed in Daytona. Uh, I don't even think we were out of the tunnel yet from the track and there was already, you know, four red flags, yeah. but I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um,
1: Blessing in disguise a little bit. Correct.
2: So the next week we go to Atlanta and we run 13th with TJ Bell and we're out there racing Austin Cendric and Chase Briscoe and BKR trucks that were really good we're down on motor. We don't have a motor program and we could drive through the corner really, really good. And then they'd kill us down the straightaway. And I remember standing on that pit box and looking at Al and he, in Atlanta, you can see the whole track really well from the pit stall. And he was just, you can just see him smiling, following the truck around, you know? And it was, and he got down, he's like, that was the most fun I've ever had. Um, You know, like, this is awesome. And I kind of knew right then and there, like, man, this guy loves this. And he's, he's for real. And I've seen so many people in this sport come over here. I'm one just going to say Texas. Um, and, you know, they come from Texas or wherever, and they get used up, right? And people just want to take them for their money and who they are. And Next up, right? See you, bye. And so many people have come to this sport and never gotten to the field victory lane and the thrills of success and financial success and actually having a race team where you know they let people run it and do it. And Al told me he goes, I could, Cody, I could come over here and I could put ten million dollars in it right now, and we could go. He goes, but I'm not going to. I won't. I'm, I'm too tight to do that. First off, he goes, but I want to earn it, right? I want to build it, and I want to earn it and give it a base, a foundation to mm-hmm. be successful. And so little by little, um, we slowly built it. And the next year, we sold two deals, and they're they're good for the company. Um, during that year, we worked really hard and didn't have a lot of success, but I felt like we were doing the right things. And, uh, the, the silver lining to the year, and this is probably what turned the company into what it is today. Um, we were at Iowa, with Justin Fontaine, and we were struggling and he was a rookie and, and he should have struggled, right? Like he, it was above where he was at the time, but I, he showed lights of success. we had finished seventh on a fuel strategy at Vegas early in the year, some things that went right. And he did a good job. Um, but I got down off the holler and he was frustrated, and we had one more practice left. And I walked down, and then there's a short guy in a draggy, uh big fire suit on, and didn't it fit him? It said premium premium motorsports, and it was Ross Chastain. And I'm like, and I saw him a year ago at Martinsville, and I don't say junk, but not very good equipment, and like he would not go away. And I'm like, How are they doing it, right? And so I was like, hey you're pretty good here. I watch you in Johnny Davis's Xfinity cars and you're always good. I was like, I'm Cody. Nice to meet you. And, and he goes, yeah, we actually met this year. I was like, we did. He goes, yeah, we had a little meeting at AM racing about the Charlotte test. I ran for him and you were in there and I was in there for like 10 minutes and I didn't even, I, I didn't even, I forgotten. And I'm pretty observant <laughs> person. and remember a lot. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. And I was, he's like, yeah, I'll get in there. And Justin was good with it. And we were 22nd on the board, same tire, same fuel, put him in there go to P2. And I'm like, wow, right? And I it wasn't five minutes; it may have been ten. Um, Alanis calls me, and I looked at my phone, and I answer it. And I go, "What?" He goes, "What did you change?" <laughs> Driver. <laughs> I said, uh, "I put this guy, by the name of in a Ross in the seat. What's he doing the rest of the year?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know, right?" And this was before I knew he had anything going on with Ganassi and some possible races. Yeah. And so we went to Bristol a couple weeks later. And and Justin, and to finish that, Justin actually hopped back in the truck, went out there, went like six tenths faster than he had been all day, and then he wrecked the truck on the next, like three laps later. Pushed so it too hard. It. Yeah. <laughs> so we repair it, and I'm like, oh, good Lord. And he actually qualified well, and we ran eighth that day, which he was racing Stuart Friesen at the time, who has turned out to be very well, right? done a yeah. good job. So I was very proud of Justin and the growth and what we saw, right? But it kind of kick started everything. And it was my way of like telling people like, just because you're not having success, don't mean you don't keep working and trying because you never know when someone might show up and have to get in a seat. And I learned that at Roush, we ran with Trevor and did all right, but we always worked hard and Trevor got sick. He couldn't see, um, and he missed a couple of races there in uh, 2011. And Matt Kenseth showed up and going to drive our car, Charlotte and Robbie Reiser. I remember sitting Chris Andrews and me down and saying, Hey, if you don't win this race, you guys are fired. We're like, oh, he's no, I'm serious. Like It's Charlotte, it's Matt Kenseth, our cars are good, you should win this race. Well, we had Ricky Stenhouse in there in the Fastenal car, we had Carl in there and us, I'm like, wow, well, we went out there and won the race somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I was nervous was it, for you. Yeah, oh, yeah, but it was it taught you right then and there that helped me down the road that it don't matter who's in the seat, right? Like who you are as a person, like, you want to do good, so you build the best race car you can possibly build no matter mm-hmm. who's in that seat and luckily we did that we worked hard and it paid off and we went to bristol with a 32 foot open trailer and a dually a couple weeks later with a third team with ross and i think we qualified in the top five um, ran there the whole night and there's some big 53 footers i think brendan pools in one and timothy peters in the other and they went home and here we are a little dually in a toolbox you know making the race and being good and that really started it and you know, end of the year, we went to Homestead, qualified second at a big track and ran horrible. I made some bad adjustments before the race that I, I should have taken out. And I remember being on that pit box feeling like, man, what a loser. You know, this kid, this guy's good. The equipment's good. We built this and I have dropped the ball. And I looked at Al Niece, and I said, I said, buddy, I think the world of you. Right. And I, when we met, I just asked for you to be loyal to me and I'd be loyal to you. And you've done it and I've done it. I said, but we need someone smarter in here than me. I need a, I need someone else to talk to and lean on, and, and I can run the deal and oversee it. I'm good at that. I'm good at managing people and situations. That's my strong point. I said, but we need someone that's better vehicle dynamicist than I am, because um, I wasn't one. And during my time at Roush, I, I happened to cross paths with Phil Gold, and he come in when Elliot Sadler came in drove the one main car, and um, they left me on that deal. It used to be the, the 16 with Trevor and them, they left the team together, took Chad Norris off of it. And Chad Norris went to R and D and got paired with Phil. And that year, Phil amazed me. He always, I wouldn't say bucked the system, but he brought a lot of good ideas and only the Roush camp one to listen to him, which was frustrating because he's, he's trying to make it better. He, he, yeah. he, that guy, he, he's one of the reasons he taught me. It don't matter who's in the seat, you work on it and you try and get it better and you have self pride and, and so I knew that, and I called him, and I saw let him go off of Ryan Reed's deal. And and he's like, well, I got an interview with an uh, Xfinity team that's doing really, really good right now, and we'll see how it goes. Well, they didn't pick him up, and he called me. He goes, the offer still available? And I was like, heck, yeah. And he came, and we got Ross that season in 19, and we had no money. We had no plan other than we're going to go and try and do this. And – Found a sponsor and put it together, and went out and and Ross said I don't know if you remember in nineteen Ross didn't declare for truck points.
1: Right, he did it in the middle of the year.
2: Yeah, and he was Xfinity points, and he was kind of uneasy about coming here. Eh, I don't know, and, and I'm sure he like his living was probably the Xfinity stuff, right? He had, probably had a prize money deal, there's more races, so I understood like he has to take care of himself. Um, go to Daytona, I think we make a pass to try and win it at the end, end up second or third. Go to Atlanta the next week, run third to sixth all day, um, you know, and just keep knocking off these top fives. But well, we're sitting here like five races in, and we're like second in points. And we go to Kansas and we win the race, and we're all like, man, we got to declare for truck points. We got to do it. Yeah. And we had we have a victory party at my house, and there, people were drinking, having fun, nothing crazy. And and I remember one of my guys on the team, he's like, he has Ross cornered. Yeah, you know, he's like, you are dropping Xfinity points. You're running a truck points. That's final. And Ross's like, no. I was like, guys, leave him alone. Like, this is what we're doing. This is the plan. <laughs> we run like one more race, and he finally he he comes to me in my office, sits down. And he goes, "You think we can run the whole season?" I'm like, well, yeah, we're playing that. He goes, well, "I'm going to tell Johnny Davis I'm dropping my Xfinity points, and we got to start over." He goes, but "We got to win a race again to make it." I was like, all right. So we declared and what the I think Iowa and had the problem with the the deal at Iowa, and then come back the next week Gateway and win a race. Yep. We just had secured the sponsor the week before, and then because of the Iowa deal, the sponsor's like, I want nothing to do with it. It's bad publicity. Um, so he dropped us. So here we are. I'm calling Alan East. I said, Hey, Ross canceled points. We're running really good. We just lost the sponsor. He goes, What's it going to cost? And I, you know, I tell him. He goes, I'm in. He never he's that guy is Al has never wavered one time in six years. And he's been he stood by his word. And he hasn't just poured money into the place. Like he has he's ran it like a business and been smart. And um, but he when it when push come to shove, and we needed some cash flow, he took care of it and he made the investment. And we go out there and we rattle off some wins, some polls, run good, playoffs, rolling, and we and we lose it by a point at the end. Um, And I shouldn't say this, but I remember going to Martinsville that year. And I can say it now because I look back and laugh about it, but I I didn't then. Um, We went to Martinsville in the playoffs and we're leading, we led the entire race, really. and, And Ross dominated it. And with 14 laps to go, Jennifer Jokov spit an axle and we had a straightaway lead. This is our win, right? And spits an axle, caution comes out. Well, we restart and we got, I think, the 18 of Harrison Burton and I forget the other KVM truck that was there. McGillen was in it. And I text, my wife texted me, or maybe I texted her one or the other. And I said, do you think KVM only has $286 in the bank account? <laughs> like we do right now as a company, do you think they need this win more than us? Just laughing. And we got roughed up and they pushed Ross out of the way. And we finished. Yeah, it. Todd won
1: that race, I think. Yep.
2: Yep. And it wasn't, it was, it was a downer, but. To look back at the struggles and where we've been financially at times and what we've done, it's amazing that we're here. Um, But I kind of back my mind know that Al loved it. And if he, he ran like a business, he ran that tight. Yeah, he was smart. And I never called Texas and said, hey, any money. I, I felt like I took it upon myself to make sure the place could stand on its own two feet and thrive like it should and never take advantage of Al. And that's part of probably why it's lasted as long as it has. Um, fast forward now, we've done a good job of selling sponsorship. We've got some great partners on board. We've brought some good talent in, good drivers. And the place is growing. You know, I, I remember having nine employees, and now we're approaching the 50 mark. And we've got two buildings now. And we build our own chassis, hang our own bodies. Um, full engineering staff. Um, you know, I got a director of operations now and, and Phil's the competition director now um, and, and crew chiefs of 42. Uh, and we brought some great people in. And we just, as we've made gains and profits and revenue, um, you know, we've acquired assets and, and done a good job of putting it back in the business. Um, I can say this is year six and I've never written a check to Al Nice or niece equipment or anything like that it's always stayed here. Um, and and I'm not sitting here patting myself on the back or putting money in my pockets. Um, it just, it's been about the company, put the company first and it's grown and everyone works hard. And, and I'm really proud of what has happened here. And, you know, to go this past weekend, um, to Sonoma that we haven't raced that I I haven't raced that since 2012. Um, never been there as a company, or a truck and to go out there and be really fast and practice unloading and and sitting on the front row with both our trucks ahead of one of the, you know, listening to the TV broadcast is one of the toughest truck series races of all time. If you look at the amount of NASCAR wins that were in that race. Yeah. And Kyle's a big piece of that, but still like, there's a lot of other guys in that race that have won and done a good job top to bottom. And so to do that and that field against, you know, a KBM and a Thor Sport and, and Toyota, they've been so strong. It just is it really, it's really great. Uh, and, and we've done it with great partners, you know, that have come on board and, and the worldwide express group, the uh, president Rob Rose has, has really helped our program out. Uh, and I, I don't mean that just in a financial sense either. I, I mean that in, in support and leadership and, and getting behind our drivers and, and Al and myself and giving us confidence of, of the future and what we're doing. Um, it makes you be able to invest in a different way because you see there's some light and there's some return and that maybe tomorrow's going to be here. So um, to overcome a broken ankle with Carson, our, our lead driver at the moment, um, you know, going into that, there's a lot of NASCAR wasn't sure they're going to let him approve him to race, and we worked through the whole week. And there's a lot, there's some tough moments last week. There was a moment where. Carson that. was very really mad at me because I told him you're not doing this. And I, I made the call to track house and talked to Ty Norris and Daniel Suarez and Ross and can we get Daniel over here as a relief driver Can so we get him in the seat, we get him over here. And he went, you know, we we're getting ready to load to go to Sonoma for a couple hours <laughs> and Daniel seat sitting there and we got Carson seat in there. And we're like, man, how do we make this work where Daniel is going to be comfortable and yet Carson can run some laps because we need to get the points. And Daniel's sitting in there in Carson's seat. and He's like, ah, oh, you know, amigo, I, I don't know if this is going to fit. <laughs> and I'm like, well, just try this. And we're flipping through different seat inserts. Ah, I really need my seat. And, and putting his seat in was going to be a lot of work. And we get talking. He goes, hey, I, I got a Porsche that my – girlfriend wants to get back from California. Do you know anyone that could haul it back? And I personally owned a hauler and I was and it was going out there on the 41 team and and I said, I tell you what, you make this seat work, I'll get that Porsche back here. And <laughs> you <laughs> got yourself a deal. That. Yeah, he got his deal, right? And so we make the seat work and 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 it worked out good because then Carson could run laps in practice. Right. Uh, and, and we worked with NASCAR to make sure they both fit safely and, and to their standards of approval. Um, and so we got to practice and he practiced. Daniel did great. The truck was good. Carson got in, ran way more laps than I wanted him to run and way (laughs) more laps than I expected him to run.
1: Probably ran Uh, faster than you expected him to run too.
2: Yeah. And and it's like, he's competitive and he don't want to see anyone getting his ride and do better. Put that
1: thing on the pole. My God. Yeah. yeah. So, and then he wrecked it.
2: (laughs) So we go out there to qualify. and, And originally the plan in the middle of the week was you practice after Daniel. Make sure you can do it we're gonna let daniel qualify it that way limit the amount of laps he could have
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and then let let carson you know start the race well then they talked me into hey let carson qualify it so we can start towards the front with carson and it'll save us more time doing the driver's swift job i'm like okay and after, and that was easier decision after he ran 11 laps in practice you know, because I wasn't sure if he's gonna be able to turn one lap in practice. I'm thinking the guy's gonna stall it leaving the garage area. Yeah. And we're gonna be trying to push this thing back or he's gonna stall it out in the track and we're gonna cause a red flag during practice. And but uh he surprised us like he always does. And um so we had to pit under a lot of people on social media is like, why are they waiting? Why don't they wait till a caution to do a driver change? Why don't they wait until the end of this first stage to do a driver change? And it was really the it's not that NASCAR didn't think we're doing anything that wasn't safe, but they, re, you know, really were pushing like, "Hey, let's get Carson out as soon as we can. Um, we don't want nothing to happen." And I think yeah. some of that was accelerated because he wrecked in qualifying, but he, he didn't wreck in qualifying because of his ankle. He wrecked because of the
1: timing line.
2: Because of the timing line, right? Yeah. Um, but so that's why we stopped when we did, and we knew we thought we'd go lap down. I, I thought maybe two, maybe on the track, but you know, it, it ended up being two um, but he got him back and he did an amazing job driving back to the field and, and we come out of there I think plus 17 points from where we entered and so that worked out really really good for the company and for Carson and and we're going in this weekend as Carson running the whole race and you know he's had time to heal and recover and um, he's living in my house this week so I got I got kids climbing all over him and so you I, do have a I'll, fifth kid yeah I do have a fifth kid this week This week, yeah. Um, My wife offered it up to him and his mother that he could stay at our house. Uh, We have a guest bedroom on the first floor, and his he lives in an apartment here in Mooresville. It has stairs getting to it, Uh, so um, so yeah. uh, He he's on the couch, and he has a bedroom, but he prefers the
1: couch. So I was going to say, is the bed long enough for him? He's like ten feet tall.
2: No, I think it works out better that short because his foot can hang off, uh, you know, of the end his ankle. Um, that was one of my questions too. I'm like, man, he's too big for the bed. So, but it's been the you know, last two nights. Um, I, I, started working out in the last two months. I kind of had a little health scare uh, a little while back. Um, nothing major, just, I learned that I have anxiety at times. Um, so running and exercising has kind of, my wife's pushed me to do more of it. And it's really taken a hold of my life in the last two months and uh last two nights i went running and and it's like 11 o'clock at night and carson's like where are you going i was like i'm going running because like right now i was like yeah well i'll go running with you you know just being a joking around with me i was like yeah yeah whatever he goes ah but i can't you know my ankle i was like yeah i know so
1: (laughs) thanks for the thanks for the update
2: (laughs) yeah you know and and ross has joked with me he goes oh just call me when you want to go run i'll go run with you and ross's schedule's crazy and hectic yeah and I told him I ran the other night. He said, well, I never, you never called me. I'm like, oh, I wasn't thinking you're being serious. He goes, no, I'll run with you. And so maybe we'll do some of that. And I'm hoping Carson gets yeah. filled up and he can join. Um, but it, that, that's kind of a, I know it's a long synopsis. Already. I was just
1: going to say, I was, I was waiting for you to take a break because I wanted to say, do you realize that you just talked for 33 straight minutes and told me your entire life story?
2: Yeah, I can believe that i talk a lot i'm
1: a talker <laughs> i'm looking at the clock i'm like i don't want to stop him because i'm enjoying it and you'd be, like so i have this whole outline right i have everything like from roush to meeting Al Nice, ross all this stuff and basically just took all my prep and just boom like that look at you well,
2: go i'm glad you have material so yes yes
1: i do there i mean okay all serious though you covered so much ground there i, w- I want to hit on a lot of those things um Going back to the very beginning, first of all, um, when you kind of fell out of love with racing for a bit, you were farming, and then you eventually got back in, because like you said, racers always find their way. At that point in your life, did you think truly that racing was kind of done? Because at that point, NASCAR wasn't really on the radar. You didn't have any real aspirations of making it big, big time. You were kind of doing local stuff with your family. I mean, did you think at that point that racing was just kind of it?
2: Yeah, I didn't man i never i don't know when i was in college that first year like my brother stayed on me about coming down here um you know he moved down here and was weighted tables at at chili's off exit 25 you know in 77 and so his nickname for a while was chili and <laughs> chili you, you know, know i yeah <laughs> and i i remember i was working with my buddy uh josh at the farm and he liked racing i like nascar and we watched it and He's like, let's go to the all-star race tonight. And meanwhile, we've never been past, you know, I I travel a little bit going to dirt tracks and stuff, but at that time I was 17, 18, I think.
1: Just hop in a car, drive to Charlotte.
2: We hopped in a car and drove to Charlotte. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning, right? And I remember parking all the way out. I think, whatever, is at 49 that runs in front of the track? Way down, right? That's when they sell the place out. And we park. And I remember getting in there just when the open race was was being done mm-hmm. and we set up and turn right off of turn four and I was a huge Matt Kenseth fan um in high school and and he won the all-star race that year and I'm like, this is cool this is perfect well little did I know a couple months later when they come back for the Bank of America I think it was 500th time mm-hmm. um my brother's like come help Stanton Barrett right so show up helped Stanton Barrett and I think Fred Winkie was his crew chief at the time and I helped him. And then a couple months later, Bush's cars were at um, Kentucky, back before Cup ran Kentucky. And Stanton talked me into coming down there and doing tires on a Bush car. And it was um, – I think Shauna Robinson drove one of his cars and Man. Stanton drove the other one. So many and,
1: throwback names so far in this so, chat. My God.
2: And I've never – I never done tires i didn't know what a radial tire was like we had biased dirt tires with you know low air pressure yeah, you're a dirt it, guy what's an inner liner so i'm sitting at the hotel the night before not scared it does but i'm like i know what i'm doing and they want me to do tires not on one car but two and so i'm talking to my brother on the phone and he's like you got to purge all the tires and get all the air out of them and the moisture and then put nitrogen back in and i'm like You guys don't just use like an air compressor. No, you got to have nitrogen because it builds moisture and all this stuff. So I'm taking a crash course on measuring tires and getting spring rates and serial numbers and date codes and shift codes. And I get in the track the next morning and I start doing tires and, and I was so afraid of having what they called an equalized tire that I, I had no idea what it was until, Hey, it's when the, you know, the inner pressure equals the outer pressure and that's bad. So that was my biggest fear, but I learned so much from, from Fred Winkie and a couple of them guys that weekend that they didn't give me a hard time. They didn't pick on me. They they're good. You lived to um, tell the tale. Yeah. And so I drove back home and went to, you know, went to back to college, maybe that semester, that fall. And I told all my friends, like, hey, I'm going to go NASCAR race. and like, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, I'm doing it. Oh, no, you're not. i was like, so I quit. And a couple months later, I, I got some money not a lot, a little bit, I can say some money, maybe a thousand bucks or something
1: more uh, than you had in your bank account after Martinville. Yeah.
2: Yep. Sold all my stuff and, and, and drove down here in a Honda, I sold my Ford Ranger bought a Honda Accord in the same day and, and drove that <laughs> night, stopped somewhere in West Virginia at a rest area, slept in my car and showed up at my brother's house right before he was leaving to go to work at uh, Robbie Gordon's. I think at that time, on um, the number seven, Jim beam car. Mm. Um, I went in that shop. <laughs> Funny side story. I went in that shop a couple of nights. They worked late. Um, I didn't understand that like, people worked late like that. Right. Like it was normal to me on the farm because of when we milk cows and work. He just always worked. Um, but I get there at six o'clock at night. I remember putting side skirts in I think one of Robbie Gordon's road course cars on to Watkins Glen, And I met a guy by the name of Frankie Kerr, the crew chief. it and asking for a job and no, 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 you ain't doing that. And I grew up watching Frankie Kerr during Ohio Speed Weeks and run the 23 off oh, yeah. sprint car. So, And I was rooted for him. then so I meet the guy and I'm like, hey, he won't even hire me? Like, all right, whatever. You know, but I didn't know anything. I get it. Um, fast forward uh, 2020, I hired him as a crew chief at Nice for us. Full circle right there. Full circle. And it, and it did not go well at all. <laughs> And I'm not a grudge. Like, I don't hold a grudge. Like, no bearing of him not hiring me before had anything to do with it. Or I wouldn't have hired him to begin with, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it did not go well. And, you know, he was here about a month. But I I use that as an example for me why I keep working hard and striving. Because, like, I would love to get hired by someone that I previously worked for me, right, someday. Yeah. But I want to make sure, like, I don't. I'm not that guy in that situation. Right? I want to be a better person than that. And do a better job. Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, that's kind of when I stepped away from racing. I, I, I don't know. I, I was dating a girl in Ohio. Her parents owned a very large cheese factory. I'm from a very rural part of Ohio. A lot of farming, a lot of uh, Amish Mennonite communities, and they, her family, uh, her grandpa invented baby swiss cheese so swiss cheese without the holes in it invented invented wow. it in switzerland and they moved over here oh my god and they they win cheese of the year like every year i swear i see it all the time on my facebook and popping <laughs> up and we we're dating um and she was at college at otterbein college which is by ohio state in columbus and i was in kent state and you know i, I was like my first true love and you know we broke up the cheese of the girl well, both. I do love to. Be, <laughs> um, really good person uh, that she was. She was a really good person. Like, like um, we had a good relationship, but you know, just the separation and and well, I think once that ended, it was like I got, I, I got no reason to be here anymore.
1: You're committed like, to racing. Uh, yeah.
2: Let's go racing, right? And that's really probably what held me up from not doing it after Kentucky when I went down there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's funny how life works. Yeah. Um, I could see myself, you know, I'm not saying it. Ever, what was going to happen, but you know, I'd be scraping mold off a cheese block right now or I, or <laughs> doing what I'm doing now. And, um, you know, the funny thing is, you know, she's, she had come down here. Um, they go to, her family goes to Walt Disney world a lot. Um, like every summer, a couple of times. And when they pass back by through here, you know, they'd stop, at, when I worked at Roush and say hi and say hi to her dad. And just, just, it was we were just, we got along really well, good friends. And so fast forward now, like what we're doing, like, you know, every once in a while she'll send me a message on Facebook. I don't think I have a phone number, but, and like, Hey, watching you. Congratulations. Awesome. What you're doing. And, and I see her, she's married and has a kid and you know, they're doing the cheese factory thing. And <laughs> it just, I'm glad I am where I'm at and it's yeah. amazing the things that change in, in life to get you where you're
1: at very cheesy story
2: very cheesy story
1: Ah, uh all right i got a few more things i want to touch with you on um and i know we only got 15 or so minutes left so we'll kind of do some quick hitters here no, we're good uh, i find it really cool that you were a matt kenseth fan in high school and it ends up coming full circle again and you ended up working with him and for him on his race team i mean was there any point when you were at Roush and working on his car where you had to pinch yourself for a minute and say, "Hold on, little Cody would not believe where I'm at right now."
2: Uh, yeah, at times, right? Like I remember going to that All Star race. I remember buying a Kenseth T-shirt, and I think I had a Dewalt hat, and I think I had some of them fake Oakleys that were yellow and black, and <laughs> yeah, full um, blown race fan. I love it, and which I love them because they allow us to do what we love to do. And I hope we get some more of them again. Uh, but I, I made a list of goals when I left Ohio that I wanted to accomplish in life. And one of them was working at at Roush Racing. Before it was Roush Fenway and now Roush Fenway Kozlowski or however it's said. Yeah. And, and one of the other goals was to work on Matt Kenz's team. So I wanted to be on the 17 Cup team. And it just didn't happen, right, the timing. And, and I got to meet, know Robbie Reiser and, and be around him. And, and when I would go in the cup shop, it was like, wow, there it is, you know. And I was just a peeing on down in the truck shop. Um, but getting to go to Victory Lane and be the car chief on the 16 nationwide car with Kenza at Charlotte and how come together was just like, it was like, all right, goal checked. Check that and, off, yeah. And and, and I used to be, where like, you know, he'd get out of the car, and I worked with him a couple of times before that, All right. And I, I was nervous around him, and I don't really, get, I'm not a starstruck individual. Like, I just, that was your guy, right? Right. And you know, so it was cool working with him. It was it was unbelievable. But yeah. them goals, be able to check those two boxes is great, you know. And another goal was to win win a race in NASCAR, and I've been lucky enough to win a race in every series in NASCAR. Um, and be a part of that. And another goal was to win a race as a as a crew chief, and check. I finally got to check that box. Yes, <laughs> sir. And it's been a long time coming. And you know, I'm not the smartest guy by no means. Um, luckily, I had a great driver like Ross in the seat to be able to accomplish that. Um, and then, the, and the fifth goal was to uh, have a family. So. The first four goals were like really quick and that last goal was 18 years in the making yeah um and you know when we won that race it was man it was bittersweet because carson who i've come to i mean, he's family to me you know and i put ross he is this out. week yeah he literally um <laughs> but he's just such a breath of fresh air for me his mentality his character his personality who he is mm-hmm. he's a great kid like I don't mean to talk bad about kids this day and age, but he seems just, different, I, I'm out of touch with him. I really am. And to see it and to see him and how he conducts himself and uh, he's great around my kids and good on people around here. And he's here all the time. Like, you know, he's not a well, you know, wealthy kid, Like, he don't come from a pedigree and he's just a racer. And I love that about him and who you see on TV. That's, that's who he is. And I cannot imagine being 19 and having, you know, the stress that he has, the pressure that he has on his shoulders right now. And he's doing a very good job with it. Um, So it's been nice working, working with him. Um, But I felt bad that he had a caution with three to go Mm -hmm. and got wrecked and he wrecked himself. And we we had that. bittersweet's the right word. Yeah. Bittersweet is the word. So I always pictured many times um Winning a race as a crew chief, right? Like I'd play it over and over in my head and work hard towards it. And, you know, I was close in 19 or in 2020 during COVID, like Ross ran a couple of races and we went out there and led laps and passed Kyle Bush and won stages. We started at Charlotte, we started 34th, won the first stage, like, and just something would always go wrong. And so I always had a joke when we'd be leading a race, I'd look down at Tim, a guy that always comes and helps me, big part of this company. And, I'm like, well, how are we going to mess this up, right? And so this year when we did the five race deal with Ross, I promised myself I wouldn't say how we're going to mess this up. And I'd go in it and I'd be confident and do my best and give him good equipment. And we've done that. And we went to Atlanta and turned the fastest lap of the race. And it was the super speedway race and got tore up. He got cleared and wasn't ripped the right rear off of it. And our day was done after that. Um then we go to Darlington and and let a bunch of laps. I'm like, man, tonight's the night. And here it is. And Carson's up there and we're running one, two, and went a stage as a company and, and then late restart and the transmission gets hung up, freak accident, and we get a you know 26 place finish out of it. And I'm like, man, this is never gonna happen. I just ran first and second all night and never gonna happen. Um and then go to Texas and run lead laps run up front you know top three and ross kind of was little not under the weather but kind of got behind on some fluids and had a bad restart at the end and we finished 12th and i'm just like this this ain't gonna happen and i just i'm pulling my hair out i'm I'm like this is the best guy in the sport right now in my eyes and i can't like it's me i can't get it done um fast forward to charlotte and check the box we were good, but we should not have won the race. And so getting off that box, going back to that picture in the, in the past, like how happy I'm going to be and relieved. I'm probably going yeah. to be crying. I told my, my wife, like, if we ever won a race, I'm going to be a mess during an interview because I'm it's just going to be emotions. And he gets that big shove from in finger. He goes into three and I'm just standing there and I just start smiling and across the start finish line. I'm just, I look up and I think about my dad, you know, he he's gone and, I was just like, thanks. And I was smiling, but I got down and like, I was like, I gotta go see Carson. I didn't see anything on the front stretch, the watermelon smack, none of that. I went straight to the 42 truck. He got out and I just gave him a big hug. And I was like, I love you kid, keep your head up. It's gonna work, it's gonna happen, don't force it. You're gonna win a bunch of races. We're gonna do it together. I'm sorry. I went and found Phil. He was pissed off. Didn't want to talk to me. Mad at the world. And it's like I did not picture this <laughs> yeah. being the situation that I can't even like sit here and just scream and be happy. Yeah. Because I wanted to. Well, when um, you
1: wear the GM hat, you got to wear all these different hats and make sure everybody's happy and do this, yep. and it kind of takes away from the from the it, enjoyment it of winning your first race, I guess.
2: It did. And the next week, like there's animosity in the shop, and we've never had that here. Really. And the reason why I've never had it here is that Roush and you could, we went to Dover one year at 08. I think they finished cup cars finished like one through four. And you walk in a shop on Monday and you never know it. It was just like the fourth place team was mad. Third place team, the third place mad, the second place team and vice versa. Right. And it's like, okay, like we're all out. Like you didn't want to see the other team do good because it meant it was your hot, your, your butt was on oh, the yeah. hot. Seat. And that was the Roush mentality that was passed down from Jack um so that motivated people but i I was like i don't want that and so when we came with, with this it's one team one dream i know it's cliche but that's what i want i want everyone in everyone pushing everyone working for each other like everyone helps out on the 45 truck everyone helps out on if we run the 41 truck we all jump in on the 40 truck like i go to wherever the problem's at in the company wherever i feel like there's a you know something in the cog of the gears i'm going fixing it so wait, why so, was
1: there, why was there animosity then?
2: Oh, uh, just because the 42 had ran so good and had second yeah, place yeah. finishes. And I mean, they had a seven second lead. He has to go at Charlotte. Yeah. Like they were dominating the race and then to Nothing see that you guys did just right. But they're racers, right. So I understand the, hey. the, the passion on that side. But I also remember in 19 when they were winning races and we were, I say broke, um, you know, we, we ran a second truck and there are some drivers that, you know, that I crew chiefed and helped work with that I, did I really want to probably not, but I knew it was the best for the company. Right. And so put the GM hat on, this is what we got to do. And when they won races and on the 45, man, I was the first one over there. Cause I helped with, I helped with it too. Right. I helped design bodies and work on the frame and, and chassis and engineer stuff. So like very deeply, You know, the financial side I was still handling, so I wanted to see them and I was happy they won races. So we fast forward to this one, we win it, and you could just tell in the shop, like, yeah, whatever. So that was frustrating. Um, But we worked through it, and I think Carson getting hurt at Gateway erased everyone's mind of that. Like, oh, we got to have each other's back, right? And we all just started talking. We formulated a plan, and so we go to Sonoma, and Qualifying the front row. And there's just a sense of bands back together. And that sounds crazy, but that's literally what was going on. And, and I felt that pressure wearing those hats, right? Cause I get to see a bunch of different bandage points. Yeah. Um, and I think finally what made Charlotte feel real for me wasn't bringing the trophy home. Wasn't, I took a Facebook photo of my kids eating cereal the next day with the trophy sitting on the counter and like just another Saturday morning at the eFall household and just joking. And, but what solidified it for me was we were going to Sonoma and we we're loading up Ross's truck and Ross is there and we put his 100th win or 100th race decal on the B post. And I was like, all right, let's load it up. He goes, you're not done. I was like, what do you mean we're not done? Like we're done. He goes, nope, you need one of these. And he had a win sticker
1: because
2: mm-hmm. you got to put that on. Well, while I was doing it, I I, I, put, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, you know, and I put it on there, and I didn't know it, but he, he took a picture of me doing that, and I didn't know it. And my I get home late that night, and my wife's like, Ross must think a lot of you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he had sent her that photo. And he he said to her, make sure you tell Cody how much of a, a badass he is and for what he – has done for me and, and for the company. And, and cool. he deserves like this. And so that moment was like, I did it right. Like I got his approval because he means a lot to me and he doesn't say a lot. He's a very humble person. he keeps close to the best. You know, he's, he's not one that's going to walk up and give you a hug and say, love you, man. Um, so having that message from him solidified a lot for me. That's when I really hit me like, man, we did it and now I will to do it again. <laughs> so I'm sure you'll
1: get your chances to do it again too. I, I mean, I don't think it's possible to overstate how important Ross has been to the growth of your guys' organization. Like with, without Ross Chastain, I think it's probably fair to say you guys are not where you are right now. Right.
2: I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's a company here, you know, I, I, Iowa when we failed tech after the race um Al Neese called me maybe 2 30 in the afternoon that Monday and he's like hey I just got playing in Charlotte I was like oh you're coming to town yep I got a I got a letter I'm gonna give a speech to the team we're shutting it down I was like oh we're just quitting yep I ain't gonna deal with this with NASCAR and calling us cheaters and you know, the crime don't fit the, the punishment don't fit the crime. Oh, uh, so get everyone together. I'll be there about four, 4.30 and we leave at four. Don't let anyone leave. I want to talk to him. But, all right. So I'm sitting in my office and they're all there working. And I'm like, uh man, it's all over. Are you kidding me? Like we're right there. So he walks in, he comes to the main office and I didn't use a office up in the carpet land as I called it. I worked, I worked out in the shop. And he comes walk through the shop. Hey, Al, hey, hey, he walks in, sits down, closes the door. And he goes, I thought about it. And I'm going to throw the piece of paper away and let's, let's keep this, let's keep going. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> That's a big decision in two hours to go one to the other, to fly here. and And he gets everyone together and he has a speech and he's like, just go, you know, not, I don't know. I, I can't say what he said, but, you know, <laughs> let's go prove him wrong, right? Like he said, he goes, I thought about shutting it down, which scared people. But one thing I like about him, in, in, the, in the same way I am, like he didn't hide anything or cover anything up. He just yeah. well, he was Shot thinking what he's telling you, right? He's a straight shooter. And he told everyone, and it was like, oh. And the mentality was go to Gateway and beat him. And we get there and weren't very, we we're good in practice. And the race weren't very good. And it was all arrow. Ran like ninth, 10th all night. And. But you did beat them. Time to take gas only and <laughs> roll the dice. And, and man, we won it in one. And, and it brought us right back together. Just kind of like now talking about it, kind of like what happened with Sonoma. Yeah. It wasn't a win, but the same situation. Um, So there's some moments where it was like who but yes for to answer your question without ross hopping in that truck at iowa we're not here al pulls the plug al not that it, like that who al is it just he wasn't gonna throw good money in a bad problem and i and i wasn't gonna stand in the corner and go oh no you got to keep doing this keep spending money i need a job yeah i, 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 I wouldn't have been that guy pushing him like Hey, that's what you need to do. Let's do it, buddy. I'll help you sell the stuff and we'll carry on. Um, But without Ross, it don't happen. It, 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 it's, it's done. And, and I think I may be wrong here. I, I think the guy makes it maybe a different route, but at that point in time, Ross there won that race with Ganassi in 18 and started running with us and 19 come along. Well, if you remember him between 18 and 19, he had he had the solar. I can't think of the DC company. DC Solar. DC Solar, and I remember like, hey, you want to run next year? Well, I got this, and I got to do it. And I didn't. I, I thought I had a deal sold for the following year with an, another driver from New York, and they called me right before Christmas break after they just said they'd do it. Hey, we're gonna go a different route and go to Young Motorsports, and like, ah, uh, and I was so frustrated. I'm like, man. Gave these time guys time off for holidays. We're going racing. I don't know what we're gonna do. And he calls me on like the 28th after Christmas. He goes, DC Solar just got their front doors blown off and I don't have a deal no more. And I'm like, All right, and I'll call But to Texas. Now, ah, guess what? Sign him up. Let's go. And so you, you just look at that stuff, and
1: it's like meant to be almost.
2: It is, it really is. And I'm thankful for it. But, but my point to that is maybe Ross ain't where Ross is either. Right. And maybe cause you know, the Johnny Davis bridge was being burnt a little bit, not burnt, but just was deteriorating and it had run its course and, and he was ready for better things and, and we were it and it worked and put him on the map yeah. and he got a shot at Ganassi and then it got bought by Trackhouse, house and obviously did the college stuff. And so we always say that it was a great marriage. We got a lot out of it. and He got a lot out of it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, this year we weren't going to run five trucks. I got, yeah, I was going to run four trucks. And four come along, we sold it. And then we go, man, how are we going to get Ross in the fold here? And, you know, Spire was running, started a truck team, and he has ties with Spire, and Ross does. And I know they're asking him to go run a truck over there. And I'm like, I can't let Ross go run a truck over there. <laughs> I want him to because I want him to race, but like I don't want to race against him. But I want him with me, right? We're family. We're gonna make this work, and here we are. We made it work, and we're gonna keep making it work. And you know, we're pretty connected, and I'm I'm forever grateful. I'm I'm grateful for Justin Marks and Ty Norris letting Ross come over and do this. Um, And then with an advancement of that, the Worldwide Express. You know, we we put that deal together in November and December um, for Dean Thompson on the forty truck. And then they want to do more, and they went to track house, and and I, I during that time I was over in the corner going, hey, like you want to go cup race, and that Chastain guy, he's you know he's, I'm selling him right, like, like I'm like that guy. If I had if I had uh, money and I wanted to sponsor and I want to win races like Worldwide Express wants to, oh yeah, that's my guy. And Rob Rose, the president, heard that right, and I try not just like beating it in their heads, but. I, I want to fight for my guy because yeah. he fought for us. And it's worked out great on that side. We got him their first win. Uh, we got him their first pole. Mm. Got him their first front row. Uh, and, and, and I hope Ross gets him their first cup win. Um, and I hope there's many more with worldwide uh, within these walls and, and at Track House. And, and to let them, for them to let Daniel come over here and fill in for Carson and then win the cup race that weekend and run good. Like there's a lot of synergy there.
1: Um look, I'm not saying he won the cup race because he ran in your truck. I'm just saying that he ran in your truck and he won <laughs> yeah, the cup yeah. race. Okay. Well, and,
2: and and I text Daniel, congratulations, right? And, and and I me, you know, always working every angle I can work. Um like, you know, maybe it wasn't just luck, maybe mm-hmm. you know, more laps and being in our truck helped you, you should do it more. And his response to me was, you should call me more. So <laughs> So I'll tell you right now, my full plans for next season is is I'm going to call the watermelon farmer and I'm going to call uh, the Amigo and I want to get them together and I want to bust yeah. some watermelons and pinatas. Hey, I'm sure Justin
1: and Ty will not hate their drivers getting a little bit more track time on yeah. Fridays or Saturdays.
2: So that's that's what we're going to go for. and And, and we want to put quality drivers in the seat with quality equipment. And when you put those two things together, good things are going to happen. And that's what we're building towards. And that's where we're at as a company. And and there's a lot of growth um, in the company right now. And I, we hope to, I hope to, you know, take Carson Hosevar through this system here. And I hope to put him in the track house camp, right? Like, I hope there's a door that opens up for him there because he is, I don't, he's an incredible talent, right? I've been around a lot of good drivers at my time at Roush. And if you look here, we've had over 40-some drivers sit in these seats over the last six years. Right. It's a lot. Right? And he's really good. So I hope we can make that bridge and connection and be a path for Trackhouse.
1: You mentioned uh, last thing. Well, two more things. You could- but you said mm-hmm. Ross is like family. Has anybody ever told yeah. you that you look like him?
2: Yeah. So <laughs> Every time you're like, looking life. into the
1: camera, I'm like, you do look like Ross a little bit. And you're yeah. talking about family. I'm like, I don't know. Long lost brothers, yeah. maybe.
2: So he's, a, he's a farmer and I'm not saying I grew, grew up farming, but I worked on a dairy farm. And that's another thing when I, I
1: was thinking that when you were telling me about that. Yeah. So, farmers,
2: We have a, both have a love for John Deere's uh, and we both have a knowledge of it and both like hard work and, and appreciate hard work.
1: You'll and, take care of the cows. He'll take care of the watermelons. That's
2: right. So Funny story on the looking like Ross. I get that a lot. Uh, I feel bad for Ross because I'm not a very good-looking guy, and um, and I we, we'll be walking. We're at Eldora, walking up to the barn on top of the hill behind turns three and four for driver uh, for the uh, driver uh, crew chief meeting. And we're walking, and and it's him and me. And I got fans grabbing my arms. Ross, can I have your autograph? Can I have your autograph? <laughs> But they think I'm Ross and and he needs me. And he's like, man, you should walk with me more often. You know? He's the one in the fire suit. Yeah, well, he wasn't in one at the time. Okay, just, okay. So, but a lot of places, uh, Watkins Glen last year, you know, I spotted uh, for Carson in the ARCA race and you had to walk out through the, the midway kind of to get the spotter's tower. And I got people, Ross, can I get your autograph? And, and all year long it happens. And my, I tell my wife this and she's like, no, I was like, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. And so she's with me at, I think Darlington, and walking along, a lady comes up and grabs me. Can I get your autograph? And I look at her. I was like, see? And she's like, you're <laughs> David Reagan, right? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not David Reagan. I'm so I've had I've had David Reagan, and and I've worked with David before, so it's kind of funny. But uh, I would say, I don't know, a couple hundred times i've been asked wow. for autographs
1: well there's ross and chad has spotted for you guys a handful of times and there's yep. you yep. so there's like three honorary chastains in the niece family
2: yeah so uh i'm hoping one day i can just like slip through driver intros and put the helmet on and go go race one time uh, but i don't want to stop Chast- you nobody's gonna Chastain. stop you yeah so you run yeah, the program
1: I, you can do what you want
2: yeah i, I do want to <laughs> do it i know i would let me if i wanted to but i am going to stick to what i think i know
1: so. yeah all right. Last thing here. Uh, thank you for your time. It's been awesome. And I know we've only kind of scratched the surface. We, we got a lot more to cover. We'll do it another time. But you mentioned you know, expanding from one or two full-time trucks to now three, four, even sometimes five on any given weekend. I mean, that is progression in its purest form right there, just in terms of quantitative quantitative progression, right? Yep, yep. But what about the future of the organization? What does that look like to you, whether that be in the truck series, potentially dipping into Xfinity, maybe cup one day, or do you see yourselves as maybe kind of a feeder system for an organization like track house with potentially Carson, like you mentioned, I know you guys are obviously very entrenched in the Chevrolet camp and Al's committed to running a top notch organization. What do you see the future of the program looking like in the next five to 10 years, maybe?
2: Um, you know, one of my fears was growing, was being able to grow. Right. And then we check that box. And then it's like the growth happens so fast. It's, can I keep up with the growth? And if you walk out in the shop, there's probably be a lot of people go, this guy's crazy. wanting to take five trucks and we got eight races in a row and how are we going to do this? And, and I go back to the leadership thing, right? Like I get down the trenches and, and do it with them. And I push people, right? Like there's, I talked to Ty Norris um, this past weekend at Sonoma about culture, and and that getting the people that work here with you, not for you, but with you, to drink the Kool-Aid and and want to make it better, and see that if I put in a honest, hard day, and this goes back to the farming and and working hard and doing the right things, if, if I get good people that make good decisions in bad moments, I can teach them how to tighten a bolt you know, or change a shock or change a spring. You just need good people and getting in the culture of the can-do attitude. And I put it in their hands of the better you do, the more you do, the more we're going to grow and the better we're going to do. And and that's what's happened, right? And there's been loyalty and, and it's grown. And I don't feel like we've outgrown ourselves where I've seen other people do that. And you can see, you know, the, the not the progress, right? The regress of it. And I don't want to be that way. So I think I don't want five teams, you know, moving forward. Um, I want, and it ain't really just quantity, it's quality. And I, and I can, uh, I mean, God is my witness. I can sit in and tell you every truck that leaves this shop, you know, through the middle of the week to go to a racetrack is prepared very well and, and, and at high quality, whether it's the 45 truck, the 40 truck, the 41, 44, 45, the ARCA car, um, I can't sit and go, man, we didn't run SIM on that vehicle, or we didn't do this, or that one didn't get pulled down. It ain't staffed properly. We don't have the right parts and pieces. Like, we have it, right? We have five haulers, we have five toolboxes, five pit boxes, five nitrogen carts, five cool down units, five generators. Like, they're staffed. We have people, we have setup plates, we have chassis plate. Like, it's all done right. But um, moving forward, I, I think. I want three very solid trucks with solid drivers that we can go out and compete every weekend for wins. And and so that's where I see it. Um probably gonna move into more of the vendor side of it with chassis and bodies, which and and I don't just mean in, in trucks, um, working hard right now on building some dirt late model chassis um, back to my roots. Um, really want to take maybe some of the drivers and go run some dirt stuff with them. It's very popular. It's growing. Uh, when I met Al, I, I didn't want to go truck racing. I wanted to build dirt late models and, and go do that.
1: Um, well, you got Tyler this weekend for that.
2: Yep. And then, and like you bring that up, that wasn't a publicity grab. It wasn't a money grab. It was a, I want to give back to the community. And that's why we haven't blown it up and we ain't put media out there about it. And we ain't, I ain't chased down sponsors on it. His, his truck looks just like, I got a picture of it here, just like his uh, car from the gateway dirt nationals. Um, Tyler was in here yesterday. He's excited. And that's just my passion of giving back. So I see us, I don't know, we might have a cup car in here. Um, sometime, you know, maybe we'll run and try and make some races. Um, we'll, we'll see where it goes uh, you know but I have an aspiration of possibly doing that um, I have zero zero aspirations of ever going Xfinity racing um, I just don't I think we have the people I think we got the know-how mm-hmm. there'd be a learning curve like always right like you get into it week to week if we quit truck racing for a year and went back it'd be hard right just because it evolved so quick um, I just don't I don't see the thickness of the Xfinity series and I don't mean to take that away from anyone doing it by any means. It's, it's hard. It's tough. I've done it. Um, if I'm going to run that many weekends a year, I want a cup race. Um, and that series, I feel is very watered down, right? I, I just don't see maybe a handful of teams being able to win. And I feel like in trucks, there's a stout list that can win every week and it's hard. And I, don't mean to single someone out, but I watched someone at Sonoma that has Xfinity wins, has no truck wins. He's in a Cup car, ran truck this past weekend, and I didn't even know he's in the race. And it just says a lot about I think where the Xfinity series is at the moment. And I might catch some slack for saying these things, but I just don't I don't see the value in it. And so no on the Xfinity side, um, but definitely. We're, we're talking about the Cup side. We are. Those conversations are being had. It's the best time to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Maybe there's going to be some more vehicles available coming up, the inventory. You know, there's been shortages and stuff. Um, you're going to be behind the eight ball because there's been a lot learned week in and week out. Um, but I, w- I would like to get Carson in some races next year in Cup. I would. And I think he's able to do it. I think he's capable of doing it. Um, we just had to get the right stuff formed and and do it. I think we've got some partners that are supportive of it. Um, it may not happen either. Um, but I would do it. That's kind of where I, that's where I see us. And, and, and Al, like, in all honesty, he's 77 years old and, um, he works day in and day out. He always says, if I stop, I'm going to die. So he, he's always gone. Um, and then there's a recession plan of, you know, or secession plan of what happens if something happens to him, you know, it's real talk we've had. Um, it's my problem at that point. Um, so there's stuff I'm doing now thinking ahead towards that, getting my stuff financially in the right spot to be able to keep this place going, um, with partners and myself. And, you know, uh, I like trucks a lot. I like dirt lake models a lot. So I think you'll see some more of that.
1: Well, that's a great place to end it for today. I, I so appreciate your time, Cody. Thank you for telling me your life story for 30 straight (laughs) minutes. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, best of luck this weekend out in Knoxville. So we got what five trucks are we going to be getting dirty? Five,
2: yeah, five of them. Um, looking forward to it. I don't think I might be, might be the last time for five this year. We'll see. Okay. There's there's a rookie out and about that might be hopping in one of our trucks to the Chevy camp. And, um, there might be a Chastain spotting uh, the the little melon man, um, not be around in a truck and, and, um, there might be a team owner and a cup team owner in a truck. So, um, oh. there's
1: some,
2: there's some stuff out there, out there that might be happening. So,
1: all right. Wow. You're going to leave us on a cliffhanger there. <laughs> My goodness. you're going to have to do some digging there. Yeah. Um, I know you're busy, man. So I'll let you get back to the rest of your day and the rest of your week, but thank you for spending some time with me. I think the fans are really going to enjoy hearing about your story and we'll, we'll have to have you back on soon and we'll see how many times you've been mistaken for Ross Chastain then
2: sounds good i'll keep the tally going please please do thank you for your time
1: and we are back wow what a story what a guy what a cliffhanger that he's leaving us on hi huh? well i wonder who it could be let me think about cup series owners that may have prior experience that may be on the younger side to drive yeah think about that and the choices are narrowed down a bit i think you're picking up what i'm putting down we'll, we'll see what happens there but man cody Thank you, my friend, so much for the time, giving me so much of it today and a busy week as you guys head into Knoxville with five trucks on track. And thank you to Drew Taylor as well of Nice Motorsports for helping coordinate that conversation. I know it's been a bit of a rough go to try to nail Cody down. He's been dealing with a lot of stuff, but I'm glad that we were finally able to get that conversation on the books. And, man, it did not disappoint. Going to have to have you back on for part two, Cody, because, as I said, we're only just scratching the surface. But thank you, my friend, much much appreciated he mentioned daniel suarez this past weekend at sonoma and i mean it's kind of a good point right he races in the chuck series for nice motorsports that's a first he wins the cup race that's a first is there a correlation there i I don't know i'm just saying so who knows maybe we'll see daniel suarez in some more chuck series races for nice motorsports moving forward we got to talk a little bit about that history making win On Sunday, though, for Daniel Suarez in the Toyota Save Mart 350, I love this storyline. Not just because Daniel's a great guy, he's everybody's amigo, right? It's a feel-good story in terms of a first-time cup winner, a nude winner this season, another playoff driver, track house racing, absolutely sending it to the moon right now with how well they're performing, but this is a story of perseverance, and not to be hyperbolic, but Claire B. Lang of SiriusXM NASCAR Radio asked him, is this the American dream? And he said yes, and tell me how it's not. You know what I mean? I mean, this guy moves to the United States as a teenager, doesn't know any English, starts picking up the language by watching cartoons on the weekend, races in the KM Pro Series for Rev Racing and the Drive for Diversity program, starts to get his English a little bit better. You can tell he's got some raw talent behind the wheel of a race car. He ends up getting into a couple developmental deals. Carl Edwards retires. He's forced into the 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Cup Series seat before, admittedly, he probably was ready for that. Oh, by the way, after he wins a NASCAR Xfinity Series championship. Yeah, just casual. That doesn't go as planned. Lands at Stuart Haas Racing. Again, somewhere where he never necessarily envisioned himself being, especially at that time period. Cole Custer is having a great Xfinity Series season. His dad is the president of the company. That obviously means he has a spot waiting in the wings, and Daniel Suarez is on the outs. This was once a really, really coveted prospect, somebody that could potentially be that link, the missing link between NASCAR, the sanctioning body, the sport, and the Hispanic population. He's been okay. He's been good, but now he had a ride at JGR flamed out. He had a ride at Stuart Haas flamed out. What is he going to do? Is his career going to be cast aside? Is is his career not going to work out at the sports top level? Runs for Gaunt Brothers Racing. Heartbreak. Missing the Daytona 500 after that insanely stressful speed weeks for him. Part-time last year. Then track house racing comes about. Justin Marks gives him a call and says, Hey, I want you to take a chance on me and a team that's not fully functioning yet and is only a concept. What do you say? And Daniel Suarez jumps on board. Trackhouse comes out of the gate strong last year. They're running well. Daniel has some speed at the Bristol Dirt Race. He's showing some signs of improvement. They expand to two cars by Ganassi. Ross Chastain comes into the fold. He comes out strong, already wins two races. Daniel still with a goose egg and a bagel in the win column and his teammate coming in hot and winning races. That can't be good for confidence, can it? He had been fast, though. He was really good at Coda. He was fast at different intermediates. Trackhouse Racing's been on rails this year. It was a matter of when, not if, right? We know that when Daniel Suarez was going to get that first Cup Series victory. And that when came this past weekend at Sonoma. Incredible scene. He wins the race. The fifth foreign-born driver to ever win a Cup Series race. How's this for a prestigious company? Juan Pablo Montoya, Earl Ross, Mario Andretti and Marcus Ambrose, and now Daniel Suarez can add his name to that list. And he's repping Mexico, first Mexican to ever win in NASCAR's Cup Series. That is big time. And he does so in California, where there's a big Latino and Hispanic population. Daniel's amigos were on hand. Incredible scenes. And Ross has the watermelon smash. I think Daniel has the pinata smash now, which is just so, so cool. And he was obviously emotional after the race, but why wouldn't you be? That was just such a cool, feel-good story, and you know, as reporters, as journalists on the media side, I've said it before, I'll say it again, you don't root for drivers, you don't root for teams, you root for stories, and that was a story worth rooting for, and it was really cool to see it come to fruition just because of all the hardships that he's gone through, and the nice guy that he is. I mean, on a personal level, I'm not going to say I'm good friends with Daniel, but he's been nothing but cordial to me, and really nice in the interviews that we've done over the years so it's good to see a good guy get rewarded with something that they deserve and that is a cup series win so daniel i extend my congratulations to you Felicidades, amigo that'll wrap things up of victory lane 2.0 if you guys like what you heard here today please 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 do me a favor it takes no time leave a rating and a review subscribe to the podcast. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. We are available everywhere. And leaving a rating and a review, it helps me out because it spreads the word to other people in the podcast realm. We'll catch you back next week with another guest from the world of motorsports. Catch you next week, party people. Be good.